privilege, really my honor to be here uh, communicating the message of Jesus in the second part of this series together. Um, you know, uh, I was standing there in worship, and uh, this is my 17th year of being here at Northwood. We moved here uh, when I was just a wee lad. And um, <clears throat> this is my 17th year here, and there's a couple things that I just, I can't get used to, and I just, like, I still love and I still crave. You know, styles change. You know, 17 years ago, we didn't have blue lights. <laughs> uh, we had these sweet fluorescent lights that, that made everyone look real pasty like I am. And it's just, that's what it was. And, you know, sound changes, but there's something that doesn't change, and it's the presence of God. It's the thing that makes this this. And some of you, uh, maybe this is your first time here and you're just kind of checking it out, seeing what's going on. This is what our prayer is for you, is that you would experience God, that you'd have a moment where you're face to face with God and you would know this is why I'm on this planet. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to communicate uh, on building a church, uh, building a church or a place that houses the presence of God, that houses the presence of God. So in one sense, it's, it should be remarkably easy because it's almost just reiterating the things that we so, so deeply uh, believe in. What I believe has been an attribute of this local church for many, many years and will be for many, many years to come because it is the presence of God that changes things. You know, uh, you may have heard about the presence of God or that might be a new concept to you and you think, well, the presence of God, he's, he's omnipresent. He's, he's anywhere and everywhere. He's in Gulfport, he's in Wiggins, he's, he's, he's everywhere. He's all over the world, and that is true. But we also see another aspect or another layer to the presence of God in the tangible presence of God. It's, it's in the moment. We see in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai, uh, we see the fire, and that would be God. We see in Acts 2, we see the wind. That's God. It's the tangible presence. It's, it's in a worship service when, when it's just like God is with us. Uh, I love to worship, and I share about it pretty often, but um, where I stand or, or sit uh, at our campus in Long Beach is kind of in this vicinity. And uh, during worship, uh, I'm one of those guys that I'm just, I'm, I'm super passionate. I'm loud. Uh, I, I get into it. I really enjoy worship. Um, but I have a, a telling sign of when uh, it's, it's getting really good. And I just start to cheese, like, like smile. Like I just, I, I just start to grin. And one of our worship leaders, he says, I know it's getting good when I look down. And he's just got this grin on his face. It's this, it's like everything's okay Everything's right. It's like, this is why we're here. This is what the church exists for. We're going to get into the story of Moses, who was responsible for, for building the tabernacle, which was, which was the spot where the presence of God would be, would, would be present so that God could be there also. Um, this is what we want to do and what we want, what we believe our calling and mission is as a church, is to be a place that houses the presence of God in the Old Testament, the word presence in Hebrew actually translate to the word face. It's like the face of God. That's what we actually want. We want to be face to face with God. I am a daddy, so a lot of my analogies and stories kind of come from the daddy world. Uh, but I have three kids. I got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. And uh, when they were younger, I, I remember being at the house and hearing my kids uh, say things like this. This is like their first words. Uh, well, it really wasn't their first. All their first words were mommy. That's so ridiculous, isn't it? It's supposed to be daddy. 
But uh, I remember when that, that word daddy started to appear and it would sound like daddy, 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 daddy. Some of you are like, I still hear that all the time. It's a season. <laughs> You'll miss it when it's gone, by the way. But daddy, daddy, daddy. And if, if I was doing something or I was on my computer or I was, I was away, daddy would continue to be the beckoning call until daddy turned his face and was face to face with whoever was pleading. And when we see the presence of God, that's actually our hearts cry, our hearts plead is, God, we want to see your face. God, we want your presence. God, God, we want to know you in a real way. God, we can't be who we're called to be without you. You see, church without God is sterile. Church without the presence of God is nothing more than a country club. We're getting together. We're hanging out. When we say daddy, we're saying, God, we want heaven to come to earth. And in this moment, this is where the power of God is. This is where God heals people. This is where God restores people. This is where God breaks the chains of bondage in people's life. This is where the party starts. It's not a party until he walks into the room. When Jesus comes on the scene, the music cranks up, the jokes start flowing, the atmosphere is electric. It's like this is why we're here. Do you know what religion is? Religion is doing a God thing without God. And as a church, we cannot, we will not be a church that does not host the presence of God. So what I want to do today is I'm going to keep it remarkably, thank you, thank you, just a, a little clap. You got my attention, you got my face. <laughs> So what I want to do is I want to communicate a little about the message and the story of Moses, and then I'm going to give you four points, four heart characteristics um, that I think God, uh, God's attention is grabbed from. But real quick, I want to pray. Father, I thank you uh, for the opportunity to communicate the message of Jesus. And God, I pray that you would be here with us, and God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray for every single person in this room, God, that you would be face to face with us, God, and that you would do a work so deep in us, God, that we can't help but reflect the things that you've done. God, that we would walk away noticeably different than when we came in Jesus' name. Two points. Two points to why, why we or why Moses built the temple, why he built the tabernacle and why we need it. The first point is this, is that God wanted to be with his people. That sounds simple. You're like, well, of course, God wanted to be with his people. But the reason that the tabernacle was built and the reason that, that we do church is because God wants to be with us. We see it in the scripture in Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9. It says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary. Why? So I can live among them. It says, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. This is what God has always wanted to do. God's mission in life is not to play hide and seek with you. He says, I want to be with you. We see it modeled in Genesis when he created man. We see him walk every day in the cool of day with man, with woman, and it was good. This is what he wanted. Mankind, <laughs> 
sinned, fell. And if we look at the Bible from that moment on until the very end, it's a mission so that God can get that moment back where he's face to face, where he's in connectivity, where the presence of God is in the midst of people. God wants to be with his people. And we see that modeled in the book of Exodus. This, is, this was Moses' job. Moses was, he was a mediator in a sense. It was God, it was people who were, who were all over the place. You see, they'd be good for a little bit, then they'd be bad, and then they'd be good. But then there was Moses in the middle, and he was, he was kind of this bridge that God was attempting to use to connect to man. And thankfully, in the New Testament, a new bridge comes, and it's the bridge in the name of Jesus that, that sealed the deal for all of mankind. But this is what Moses was doing. He was building a tabernacle because God wanted to be with his people. This was everything that he wanted. We see it modeled in the Bible where uh, there's words for God that like father. You ever, you ever known a person that prays and it's like father God, father God, father God. Well, that is one of his names. He's the father God. And you think about a dad, you think about a father, their goal, their dream, their everything is that I can just be around my kids. This is what makes him him. Those moments when you're just with your kids. This is what God wants, what he desires. God wants to be with his people. I believe it's one of the greatest promises in all of the Bible. It says where two or more are gathered, that I'll be there. What an incredible promise to us. What an incredible promise to you. It says, hey, if you two, you three get together, I want to be there. <laughs> Will you let me be there? God wants to be with his people. The second reason we see that Moses built the tabernacle wasn't just that God wants to be with his people, but is that his people needed God with them. We need God. Would, can we all agree? Hey, we're in church. So let's just play like we agree. How many of us believe that we need God? Good. 85%. That's okay. That passes. That passes. We need God. Again, in a parenting story, um, Oftentimes getting ready for, for work or for school or for church, we get our kids ready. And how many, is it difficult for any of you other young parents to get the house and, okay, cool, cool. It's not just me. Well, you finally get them, they're alive, they're fed, their hair's brushed and, and it's done right. Their clothes are pretty close to ironed and everything's okay. And we get them in the car, okay? And a lot of times we get them in the car and then we go back inside and take like a nap. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. We don't do that. We get them in the car. And what we do is we get all of our other stuff, get the keys, get whatever we got to bring with us on the way. But a phenomenon occurs nearly every time in this, in this slow, small piece of time. By the time we get out back out to the car, there's been a lot of things that have taken place in the car. <laughs> Everyone's fighting. Everyone's fighting. They're hungry again already. They've switched seats. Some are in the back seat now. Some are in the middle seat because they're fighting. They're trying to get away from each other. It's chaos has happened. It's, 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 there's no unity in the car of the Lord. It's just, ah! But when dad comes on the scene, things settle down. Everything's okay. We need God with us in church. If God 
is not here, if the presence of God, if that powerful presence of God is not here, do you know what will take place? Well, it'll be a sterile environment, gossip, backbiting, fighting, all of these things will take place. Why? Because the church was never created to not have God in it. God wants to be with his people, but we need God with us. And it's modeled in Exodus. And it says it like this. It says, then Moses said, he's saying this to God. He says, if you don't personally go with us, he says, don't make us leave this place. What God was instructing him, God was saying, hey, it's time to move. And he's saying, hey, if you don't come with me, don't make me leave. We, I can't be me without you. He says, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people? I like he puts the ball in his court. That's your people, God. He says, on me and your people. He says, if you don't go with us, this is the big part. He says, because your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. What was taking place is there were many gatherings of people in that time and they would form communities, they would form structures. It was like families would travel together and this tribe, this group of people had a, had a defining characteristic or an attribute that came along with it and it was everywhere they went, a cloud hovered among them, above them and it was the presence of God, it supplied for them and everyone knew that where that cloud was, God was there also. Wouldn't that be an incredible testimony of the churches? Yeah, that's a group full of a bunch of different kinds of people but I can tell you one thing, that God is there. This is the heartbeat of our church, and I believe that it's been a very strong characteristic of our church. And uh, just as recently as last week in our growth track, uh, I just ran upstairs. Our growth track takes place upstairs in Long Beach, and in between the two services, I ran upstairs, and there was like seven, eight people in there. And uh, I just said, hey, guys, so good to see you. you know, I'm, I'm, for real, I'm happy that you're getting involved. But I said, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. I said, why are you here? I said, like, why? What is it? And one lady raised her hand. She's been there for three weeks. If she's there this week, it'll be four. And she said, there's something about this place. I said, good or bad, first of all. Before I'm going to let you continue, tell me if it's good or bad. Good, okay. She says, it's, it's alive. She says, it's, she says, I come into this place and it's alive. She mentioned a lot about the people being there, that they were excited to be there. But she says, it doesn't matter if I come in in a good mood or a bad mood or great things that happened that week or terrible things. But when I come in, none of that matters. It's all about Jesus. That is the presence of God. That might even be the Old Testament reference where the cloud is among them. It is the presence of God that sets his church apart. It is the presence of God. So what I want to do for a moment, because the church is only as good as the people that are in it. Can, can we just agree to that? The church is not made up of just the lights. We can't bring or usher the presence of God in because we change a color from blue to purple. doesn't work. It's the people that get God's to say, Daddy, Dad, Dad, Dad. 
And when we don't stop until he turns his face, that's where things happen. We see four hearts or four postures uh, that, that get God's attention, that God responds to. And we see these all throughout the Bible in different characters or different people in the Bible. But I believe when these are defining attributes as us as individuals that God's presence will be here, okay? So, so I'm putting the ball in your court and saying, let's get on these four. The first one is this, is that God responds to hungry hearts. He responds to a hungry heart. You can look at that word and you can uh, translate it or look at it in a, in a way that says a desperate heart. A heart that is desperate for something. This last summer uh, in July, maybe June, uh, I had the opportunity to take my family to Disney World. And uh, this is one of those moments that it was like, this, is, this, is, this was one of my dreams. You know, everyone says, oh, man, it's, it's magical and all that. I was like, okay, let's do it. We went there. And uh, you know, we saved a long time, and we got stuff ready for it, and we got there. We went on the long road trip. We did the whole thing. I preached Sunday morning, and after church, actually, I preached in Wiggins that morning. And uh, we got in the car, changed uh, in the bathrooms at our Wiggins campus, and we jumped on the road, and we only stopped once in between here and Orlando. Benadryl with your kids. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We drove, we drove, we made it, got in our place, and, and we had kind of put a game plan in play uh, to, to beat the system because we wanted to take full advantage of Disney World, and they've got like a bunch of different parks that make up <coughs> mad, or Disney World. And uh, we knew the big park, or the, the one that everybody talked about was the one with the castle, the Magic Kingdom. And we said, man, every other family coming here is going to come here Monday through Friday. Everybody's going to go to the main one the first day. We were like, man, I'm going to beat it. We went to a different one. We said, we're going to go there Tuesday. Well, I guess that's really what every family thinks. So we got there. And right when I pulled up, I said, uh-oh, we, we missed this thing. We were talking to a person. They said an estimated 150,000 people were at this park that day. We didn't care. We said, we are going to take an entire day and just enjoy it. So that's what we did all day ride after ride. We forced kids to ride rides that they didn't want to, you know, all that kind of stuff. Enjoyed the day. We ate turkey legs. We did all kinds of things and went on rides, ride after ride. And uh, everyone bragged about this fireworks show at the end of the night. They said, you get in the main grassy area and just enjoy this magical moment. So that was our intentions, that was our plan. But before we did that, we had to stop and get ice cream because everyone said, you gotta try this certain kind of pineapple ice cream. So that's what we did. It's like the $12 ice cream. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm the dad in this moment. And I'm thinking, this is a phenomenal moment. This is a great moment for me as a dad. I feel like a real winner. And uh, I'm watching my kids. They got ice cream oversized because I said, yeah, give them a large. They're eating. <laughs> eaten and you know I've been holding my kids hands this whole day we're walking enjoying it and I, I I just wanted in my mind I wanted to just look at my family and enjoy the moment one more time before we get in the grassy area with all these people for fireworks and I look over I got Emma she's my oldest got her in my hand right here I got Callie she's my eight-year-old got her in my hand my wife's over there and I look over beside Ash my wife and my son is not there and I said, I said, Ash, where's Sam? She said, he's right. She said, I don't know where he is. 
And I, I just said, yeah, I, hey, I'm a dad. I'm a spiritual man. I got to be composed and calm. I said, stop. I said, stop. About this tone. I said, stop right now. I said, where's Sam? He's not here. And I look around. And now I raise my voice because the composure's going. And because all I see is 150,000 people walking around trying to get to this spot. Police are trying to, to, to block off these roads because uh, the parade's going to come down. And I don't care about anything at this point except where is Sam? I said, I'm going to find him. You stay here. I went to the very first worker I saw and I, I, I grabbed them by the shoulders. And I said, I've lost my son I don't know what to do. Help me. They said, okay, okay. They've obviously been trained in this because they weren't as worried as I was. <laughs> I said, okay. They said, how long has he been gone? I said, three minutes. <laughs> this isn't even funny. You guys are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Work on empathy at Gulfport. Okay, okay. <laughs> they said, what does he look like? What's his name? I said, his name is Sam, short little white dude, blue Captain America shirt, gray shorts. Okay. They said they got on their walkie-talkies. They paged everybody. They said, uh, so at that point, I just went to the next worker. I was just roaming. Grabbed the next person. I said, I've lost my son. I can't find him. Where is he? Same routine, same routine. I'm about five minutes into it right now. Five minutes seems like an hour. And because uh, all I'm seeing is people rolling by and the lights are getting dark. And I'm saying, I don't have Sam. They said, if we find him, he'll be actually the same spot that they just joked about on the video, the lost and found. They said, if they find him, he'll be up by the exits in this room where a worker is, and it's the lost and found where they put kids. I said, okay. So I started walking up there. Every worker, I grabbed him. Boom. I didn't, I didn't care anymore about the pineapple ice cream. I didn't care about Space Mountain. I didn't care about the turkey legs. I didn't care about anything else except Sam. I grabbed the next person, next person. They kept saying, go here, go here. I'm, I'm 10 minutes into it now. I get to the lost and found area. I walk in and there's a worker behind a counter, but I see the room that's empty. There's no kids in there. And I said, I said, my name is Micah. I've lost my son. They told me to come here. They got all my information and they said, we'll call you if we find him. At this point, I've resolved to myself that I'm going to stand by the exit and watch 150,000 people come through until I find my son. Fifteen minutes into it, I realize I don't have Sam. The lights are dark, and there's about 12 exits to this park. There's no way that I can filter 150,000 people. I'm texting my wife. I'm saying, hey, Ash, do you have him? She says, no. I said, she's texting me. Do you have him? I said, no. 20 minutes into it, the reality is in my head that I might lay my head down tonight and my son not be in my spot where I'm staying. And I'm saying, my, my life is different. I can't go on and exist as a dad, as a man, as a husband, as a person without him. 25 minutes. I'm walking slowly back to the area that I was at. My, my grabbing of employees is getting a little bit softer and my tone's getting a little bit softer as well. So my name is Micah. I've lost, and I'm not waiting for their questions any longer because I know what they're going to ask. So I've lost my son. His name is Sam. He's five years old, short little white kid, Captain America shirt, gray shorts. 30 minutes. 
lights are done. The police have blocked off the roads. They say you can't go off because a parade's coming through. I don't care about the lights on the floats at this point. I only care about Sam. 32 minutes. I go to a person actually about 30 feet from where we originally realized we lost him. I said, I've lost my son. I don't know what to do. Do you know where he is? And they pointed across the bridge to a police officer with a little boy beside a police officer and said, is that him? I don't know if I ran. I don't know, I don't know what I did. I'm going to be for real. I don't know what happened. I got to him, and he saw me, and I just held him. I grabbed him, and I held him. And I held him for a little bit. I said, Sam, I missed you. He said, Dad, I missed you too. He said, I dropped my ice cream. <laughs> At that point, I text my wife. And I said, got him. We met each other halfway through the parade. I don't even know if we looked at the parade. We looked at our family all together. I can tell you this, that for 32 minutes, I know what desperate was like. What are you desperate for? What are you hungry for? If you're not hungry, there's two things. You're either full or you're sick. I believe the vast majority of us are probably just full. So what are we filling ourselves with instead of the presence of God? What do we need to remove or, or scrape off so that we can make room for the very thing that we were born to exist, to live for, the thing that would make us completely satisfied? Because I realized that trip that Walt Disney World didn't fulfill me. The parades didn't fulfill me, and the pineapple ice cream sure didn't fulfill me. The thing that made everything tick was Sam. The thing that makes the church tick isn't lights. It isn't the building. It isn't the name Northwood Church. It's none of that. That's Disney World. It's good. It attracts people. It's a safe place. It's an excellent place. But the thing that makes Disney World pop is the presence of God. And church, when we have the presence of God, all things can happen. All things will happen. But it starts with us, with you, with me, being hungry and desperate for this. The second heart that God responds to is a humble heart. Opposite of pride. Less me, more you. Humility. Numbers chapter 12 talks about Moses and it says, Now Moses was very humble. He says he was more humble than any other person on all of the earth. The quicker that we realize, the quicker that we realize it in our own strength as a group of people, but us as individuals, that we can do nothing of lasting power, God will honor that sooner. <laughs> when we realize that we can't change people's eternity, we can't do that. We can't save our souls. But when we can humble ourselves and realize it and say, God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. You couple hunger and humble together and you've got a recipe for the presence of God. The third thing that we see is an honest heart. A heart that's, that's transparent, that's open, 
That's revealing. We, the church should be the safest place where we can be open and honest with who we are. I believe there's three different viewpoints to who we are. It's, it's who we see ourselves as, it's who others see us as, and it's who God knows that we are. And the quicker that we can get into category three and say, this is who I am, that's not a free pass to sin or to carnality or to a, a uh, non-Christian way of living, but it's a great spot to say, God, I need your help. <laughs> I'm in trouble we should be transparent in the house of the Lord. We should be transparent in relationships. And when we're in moments like this, we should be transparent with the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, God, you've got my number. You're speaking to me. I'm going to respond to that. God can never and will not transform the person that we pretend to be. He won't do it. Hunger, humble, honest, and the fourth and the final heart is an honoring heart. I believe our church has an honoring spirit about it, but that's because individuals in this local church have an honoring spirit about them. Honoring, pastor said it beautifully a moment ago when we're speaking about presidents and president-elects, but honor is not something that people earn. Honor is something that we free willingly give. Now, the cool thing is, is God earns it also. <laughs> but when we honor the moment when we honor the presence of God, when we're aware of his presence in a worship service, or even in this moment when we say nothing else matters, how do you honor? It's by making everything else small, making this the priority. It's saying, I'm aware of your presence here with me. It's acknowledging it. It's not just saying, I know it's around. It's saying, I see, I feel. It's acknowledging that thing. And then it's, it's having reverence towards it, respecting the moment. There's times in worship that I just get quiet. I just stop. And it's literally because I'm thinking, God, you are, you're everything. You're so big. You're, you're everything. And sometimes I just get quiet. Reverence. Reverence. And then worship. We should worship in spirit and truth. We should worship in his presence when we're in the midst of it, and what worship is, is again, it's, it's making it the main thing. It's amazing that in, in moments where, where God is with us, it's, it's amazing that there can be things that are always trying to get into your mind. What are you thinking about? Did I lock the house earlier? What are we going to eat? He's going a little long today. It's 1214. We're usually wrapping it up by now. It's, it's quieting that side. And saying, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to do in me? I will wrap it up with this. It's Exodus chapter 40, verse 33. And you'll be able to follow on the screen with me. It says this. Then he hung the curtains, forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar. This is Moses setting up everything that God was telling him to do. And it says, and he set up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. So at last, Moses finished the work. Maybe Moses was hungry, he was honest, he was humble, he was honoring. He finished those things. He got those things in order. And then in verse 34, here's the promise. It says, then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the place. When we put all of these things together, there's a promise in the word of God. He says, I'll fill this place. And when he fills this place, this is where people, 
that people are going to meet Jesus. They're going to fall in love with Jesus. They're going to give their lives to him. This is where cancer will bow its knee before the maker of the universe and say, you don't have a hold in this place. This is where, this is where marriages will be restored. This is where that forgiveness that, that you could never release because of something that was done so wrong to you all of a sudden pales in comparison to the authority and the power of God and you're able to release something and release a hurt that had broken you from the very beginning. But all of a sudden, it's where hope invades an atmosphere. And when there's hope, God can do anything. This is what the presence of God was born to do, created to do, and this is a church that will host the presence of God. Do you guys agree with me? So I'm aware that there's different groups of people in here right now. There's people that are saying, okay, you're responding to, the, to what God's speaking to you right now. And maybe you were checking off a few areas in your life saying, okay, I've got I've to hone some things in. I've got to correct some things. Maybe I've got to be honest with God or I need, to, I need to check pride at the door. Maybe my hunger level is low because I've filled myself with something else. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe I need to repent of some sin. Maybe I need to just release myself in worship and honor God. But I believe that there's probably a group of people in here right now that are saying, I need God. I need Jesus. I've played a game. Maybe this is your first time coming to church. Maybe you've been in church your entire life, but at this moment, you know that there is no connection to Christ. The beautiful thing is he's not playing hide and seek. He's saying, Daddy, you're just, all you have to do is say, Daddy. Daddy, come on, would you guys bow your heads with me for just a moment? And whatever group you find yourself in, whatever category God has placed you in today, I'm going to ask all of you to, to respond to God. You can respond to God and say, God, I receive that correction. I receive that, that you're speaking to me. And I'm being honest and humble in this moment. We're repenting of things. We're getting some things off our plate, some things that we've allowed to fill us. Whatever category you find yourself, just respond to God. This is, this is your moment. This isn't, you're not waiting for the next thing to happen. This is the next thing. This is your moment. Respond to God and say, God, I'm getting this right. God, you hear your people, but more importantly, you see the hearts. God, are coming to you broken and contrite. And God, we know that you don't and you won't deny that. So God, do a healing work inside of your church, inside of your body, because God, we want to be a house that hosts the presence of God. And God, in this moment, I'm praying for the people inside this room that know that they do not have a relationship with you. That when we began to speak about that just a moment ago, they said, that is me. I'm not gonna build this up any longer, but I'm gonna say if that's you and God's speaking to you, the Holy Spirit's resting on you, I just want you to lift your hand up and you can put it down. We're gonna pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. People all over the room saying today's the day Thank you. I see both of you in the back of the room. Come on, people are just saying, today's my day that I'm submitting, I'm surrendering. I see you. Thank you so much. You're just saying, this is it. This is my moment.
God, I thank you for the promise in the scripture that says that you came to seek and save that which is lost in God as a sign of our hand. But God, this is our heart saying right now, we know that we're lost, but God, it's time to be found. So in this moment, God, I pray for every single person, God, that lifted their hand, that opened their heart and said, I need Jesus. God, that repentance is taking place. And I encourage you, agree with me right now. Agree in your heart as we pray this. God, I'm separated from you. And right now, in this moment at 1220 on Sunday afternoon, I'm giving you my life. I know that you died on the cross for my sins, that you paid the price for me. And right now, I receive the gift of salvation. I receive Jesus. I receive hope. I receive life. I receive love. And I give you my life right now. I thank you for salvation. And God, I thank you that you are a living God, that you still save, that you still heal, and you still restore. God, we thank you that this moment, that salvation is here. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, would you give it up? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time.